The hurricane season in the Americas is now underway and it's due to last until the end of November. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration has predicted there could be between 12 to 17 named storms this year, five to nine hurricanes and one to four major hurricanes. Hello and welcome to this Global Situation podcast from International SOS, the leading medical and security risk management business. I'm Chris Giles. Well, this is the podcast where we provide you with timely analysis and tactical insight for your organization. And joining me to help you prepare for hurricane season is Josh Dozer, General Manager for Medical and Security Assistance Services in the Americas, and Mike Rogers, the Director of Security Intelligence in the Americas Regional Security Center. So Josh, I know that weather experts have said we're expecting a near normal season this year. I wanted to ask you, about hurricane formation and risk and how that evolves through a single season. In the Atlantic, in June, you'll see storms form very close to the coast of the Atlantic. And then as you get into July and August, you'll start to see the storms form further and further out in the Atlantic off the coast of Western Africa. Around August and September is the height. And in August and September, you'll see a a very regimented systematic conveyor belt of storms forming from the coast of Africa, moving west and generating storms that can hit across the Leeward Islands of the Caribbean, moving into the Gulf or along the east coast of the Atlantic. We're seeing more and more storms trending further, further south, as far south as South America, the Yucatan Peninsula, Honduras, Mexico, which is an increasingly threat. As you get into October, you'll see that conveyor belt action reduce. You'll see storms forming closer to the coastline. But interestingly, some of these storms, while they're forming close to the coastline and moving northeast, some of them will have a, will have a tendency to turn left and turn left into the northeast Atlantic, which is what we saw in Hurricane Sandy in 2012. And tell me about the likelihood and characteristics of hurricanes. and How have they changed over the years? They absolutely have. The two big ones are the opportunity, the high likelihood for rapid intensification. This is a really important vulnerability for for the hurricanes we're experiencing nowadays. Because of the warm ocean temperatures, uh, disturbance or a thunderstorm that you would otherwise disregard has a high likelihood of rapid intensification forming into a tropical cyclone or a hurricane. And because of the rapid intensification, it could form close to the coastline, giving authorities and citizens and travelers less and less notice of its formation. In other words, the time you have to take protective actions and to evacuate is less and less. Because of the higher ocean temperatures from global warming is a key contributor to that. The second one is the expansion of the area. As I said before, we're seeing more storms forming in more southern latitudes that we've seen before, expanding the area of risk and expanding the areas of vulnerability to our population. And lastly, while not at the result of the storm, we're seeing a greater population living in high-risk areas, and we're seeing more infrastructure in high-risk areas. So therefore, we're receiving and we're experiencing greater effects from the storms themselves. So now might be a good time to talk about the risks and hazards of hurricanes. Uh, Josh, Mike, can you tell me what residents and travelers should be most wary of, particularly people who aren't accustomed to hurricanes? Yeah, the big one is surge storm surge. People are very accustomed to the wind and they're very understanding of the rain precipitation. But most people who don't live in hurricane prone areas don't understand storm surge. Storm surge is the building up of ocean over over a gradual slope of the continental shelf, which builds up and builds up and causes tremendous flooding above land. 
And because people are not familiar with storm surge, sometimes they don't respect it or they don't evacuate or they evacuate the wrong way. For example, we've had uh, multiple casualties and deaths of, of folks still in their basement, not understanding the storm surge is going to come, or fleeing to their attic where there's no escape and the ocean levels will rise above the attic levels. So the respect for storm surge is a very, very important thing. The other problem is that people don't respect the variability of where surge could occur. People you normally focus on where the eye of the storm is, and that, that small little location where the eye will make landfall. But storm surge will occur far to the right of that eye fall, as much as 100 to 200 miles to the right of that eye. And so people far from that landfall may not sufficiently evacuate and respect that. Second is inland flooding. When the storm hits landfall, it's not the end of the storm. It's moving across land and it's dumping a great deal of precipitation along riverine areas. And people far from the coastline will be tremendously impacted for a much longer period of time. And they will experience flooding and they will need to evacuate and they will have their road infrastructure impacted as well. And lastly, tornadoes. Uh, tornadoes could occur hundreds, if not thousands of miles from where the eye may landfall as the storm comes across the continent. And Mike, I just wanted to ask you, how much of a worry are strong winds and tornadoes for inland areas? And how does international SOS factor in those threats? One of the realities of today is that the threat posed by hurricanes is not limited to the coastal areas. Hurricane Ida made landfall in Louisiana, but it caused significant damage from flooding and strong winds in Appalachia, as well as the mid-Atlantic. You know, Ida produced a number of tornadoes in, in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, very far away from where the initial landfall was damaging both homes and businesses in, in both of those states. So it's very important that we don't just have tunnel vision on, on the coastlines, as, as Josh often points out, but also that we assess the sort of cascading impacts, right? When, when we assess the impact to our people, we really need to consider the interplay of this threat with infrastructure. You know, this can quickly turn from what might seem to be like a short-term challenge to something that is weeks or months long for us to contend with. So, you know, we all know that power outages and flooding and disruption of flight operations uh, those accompany tropical cyclones, right? But beyond that, broader impacts to infrastructure at large need to be factored into our risk assessments. An assessment from the First Street Foundation in 2021 found that over 35,000 critical infrastructure sites in the U.S. are in flood-prone areas. And that's over a quarter of all such sites in the U.S., and those include critical infrastructure sites like police stations, hospitals, power stations, water treatment facilities, you know? So all of that needs to be factored in when we're projecting the actual impact to our to our operations and to our, our, our client and staff safety when we're um, evaluating the, the impact of a hurricane. So I, I wanted to ask you both, what should travelers to hurricane-prone areas do when maybe the hurricane is forecasted or actually projected to make landfall where they are? First thing they could do is consider the timing of what protective actions they could take, whether it be a company risk manager or, or a traveler outside their home area and in a hurricane prone area. The arrival of the storm to make landfall is after when the real impacts are going to take place. In other words, people should take into account when the tropical storm force winds will actually arrive, which could be much sooner than when actual landfall occurs. And you need to backwards plan your protective actions. You need to take into account when those tropical storm force winds may arrive, which is 35 miles an hour or higher, and then consider how much time it takes you to evacuate, how much time it takes you to take protective actions, to provide the notifications to your personnel or staff, to shutter your infrastructure and plan accordingly and give yourself enough time and resources to be able to take those actions in time. Second, heed the alerts and warnings from emergency providers. If you're traveling the United States and your phone is set to receive the local push alerts, 
you will get notifications to evacuate. You will get notifications to shelter in place. Listen to those warnings. They don't take it lightly. When they issue those alerts, it's very serious. And if you don't heed those alerts and warnings, you may not have access to emergency services after the storm comes through. And lastly, understand what the evacuation routes are. In the United States, we have a tremendous evacuation route system. We have a tremendous sheltering system, but that, that varies from country to country. International SOS can help you identify where those shelters are and uh, where appropriate locations will be. Because remember, hotels will be at a premium. All these folks evacuating from the area will, will be occupying those hotels. Infrastructure restoration workers will be accessing those hotels. And so you might need lodging support far from landfall for support. From a more strategic perspective, it's really best practice to engage hotel or local host for hurricane plans. Know what sort of resources, protocols that they have in place, especially for those who are organizing conferences or some you know large events. It's really important to engage with those stakeholders very early on, understand what you have at your disposal and what plans might look like in the event that there is a storm forecasted to impact that location. Mike, I wanted to ask you, what should risk managers or travelers expect from international SOS when a hurricane risk materializes? So this is absolutely one of the, the key threats that we monitor this time of year, as you'd expect. And our intelligence teams do a lot to stay on top of this. We track absolutely any tropical cyclone activity and we'll produce reports for our clients regularly for any of those that are projected to impact land, particularly a population center. Those reports include timelines and impact assessments and, and of course recommendations, both for staff who are there locally might be impacted directly by a tropical cyclone as well as managers, particularly with respect to recommendations surrounding evacuations or internal relocations or for those who might be required to stand fast, what kind of mitigation efforts they should undertake at that time too. Increasingly, we look to include as much local resources or access to local resources as we can, oftentimes leveraging information from offices of emergency management and local law enforcement. And when appropriate, we'll include that in our reporting, make sure that that's in our clients' hands as well. And Mike, tell me about what types of assistance is available from International SOS before, during and after a hurricane. Every year we'll publish an insight report, details surrounding the forecast that Josh outlined there, as well as a webinar, which I believe already held and was quite successful, as well as, of course, this podcast that we're on right now, um, but as well as consulting in the space for individual clients with uh, vulnerable populations or, or sites and the like. Um, a lot of bespoke work for our clients who need our support with local evacuation planning and, and the like. But with respect to individual weather systems, as I mentioned, we provide intelligence support tracking these storms and advising our clients of impact that surface in our various channels through which you can access our intelligence. But ahead of the storm, we offer support clients with the coordination of evacuations and internal relocations from areas of projected impact. To do that, we leverage our own staff. We have hundreds of deployable assets across the world, uh, as well as our own provider network, which is over 100,000 strong of vetted credentialed providers in the medical, the security, and the logistics space. We also support our clients with accountability. We leverage Tracker for these accountability checks, giving them a visibility on where their staff and assets are. And in the aftermath of a hurricane, we often support our clients with movement out of affected areas, as well as the provision of life essentials, food, water, fuel, generators, again, leveraging our own deployable staff, as well as that provider network I mentioned. So I just wanted to end by asking both of you, what are the key takeaways that you'd like to flag for our listeners? Hurricanes are massive, and you have to take into account the, the not just the wide geographic scale of where hazards could occur in the in the variety of hazards that can occur, but the fact that they will ensue cascading impacts to infrastructure. Second, it only takes one. You know, we talked about a potential normal season this year, but all it takes is one hurricane. It's a risk that requires our constant vigilance and respect 
call us, ask for advice, even before landfall. If we can provide support to our clients to mitigate risk, to evacuate vulnerable populations in advance of the storm, we can do it. And we would like to support you after the storm as well. But call for advice and uh, let us know how we can help you. Really, the one of the key takeaways that I, I hope our listeners come away with is that International SOS is your partner. We are here to support you. Our assistance capability is 24-7. It is integrated into our intelligence function. I think fascinating thing that perhaps folks don't realize is that the individuals who receive those requests for information and support from, from our client base are seated directly next to the individuals who are drafting those intelligence reports. There's a great deal of collaboration and communication and sort of a seamless integration between the functions. And it's a really valuable tool for our clients, particularly during this time of year. So if you have questions about how a weather system might be impacting your staff, your assets, your business operations, if there's any way that we can support you with advice and interpreting, contextualizing that threat into how that interplays with your vulnerabilities, please reach out to us. We're very happy to have that discussion, help guide you through that to make a joint decision, support in any way that we can. So hope to hear from everyone. Okay, Mike, Josh, thanks so much for taking the time to explain everything and for all your advice too. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And a reminder that you can keep up to date with all the latest information, updates and alerts during hurricane season in the Americas on our website, internationalsos.com. And from there, you can find out about our global network of assistance centres available to clients 24-7. But for now, thank you for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.